Time to lock and load for the Mobo Show. So I guess this is episode six, finally. Yeah, welcome. How you do? How, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? How's working from home working out? It's been actually pretty good so far. Um, There's an easy transition. I've been, I like working from home for my own reasons. So I've been gearing up for this for a long time and now it's just business as usual for me yeah no it's it's good to have uh it's good to have the space kind of ready to go it's good to have expectations of of what uh how things are going to work and which tools you're going to use so uh same deal for me i've been working from home on and off for the last couple of uh years with various employers and um, you know, different bosses and managers have different appetites for it, but uh, given what's going on in the world right now, it's it's kind of a, a front and center topic. So I'm glad we can take this episode of the MoO Show and just kind of hone in on remote work and some work from home topics. Yeah, especially since, well, can't really do it at the library right now. <laughs> Our cushy and, studio, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Glenn was asking us to change locations. So here we are. We did it. We did it. Yeah. (laughs) We even got two locations. Quick update while we're on the on the subject around the studio. Sounds like we're going to be moving into our new dig sometime late April, uh, which means in a few episodes of the MoO show, we should be broadcasting from our new MoO studio. So very excited to provide that update to to everybody. Uh, I've been talking to lots of people that have been tuning into our episodes, um, you know, a day or two after we released them. So thanks, everybody, for watching the content. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody, for your encouraging comments and feedback. And um, I'm not going anywhere soon. I don't think Alex is going anywhere soon. So we're happy to be doing this show. Uh, even when we can't be together, we're doing it here virtually using the the tools in Office 365. While we're social distancing, um, being able to just to video chat with each other on the fly, ask each other questions, work with our clients face to face has been, it's actually been really cool. And I don't know about you, I've been learning a lot as I go and try and use, I'd really use these tools a lot more actively. Yeah, I agree. Clients are asking questions that haven't been asked before, uh, both like feature related questions and service related questions. So that's really good. It's kind of a good to stretch your mind muscle that way. But, um, I, you know, same thing over here. I've done more webcam-enabled meetings in the last week and a half than I have probably in the last five years. Yeah, combined. Uh, combined, yeah. Lots of people have been really, really shy about the webcam, and it's always been a nice-to-have thing. But mm-hmm. now I find uh, with social distancing, with more people sort of stuck at, at the home office, people are turning it on just to just because. Um, you know, people are moving their laptops around and showing, hey, this is what my home office looks like. This is what my kitchen looks like. Hey, these are my kids over there being quiet in the in the playroom kind of thing or or not. Maybe they're running around the house. So it's been a pretty good variety and it's good to see people taking this one on and, and not really letting it uh, slow things down. Yeah. 
over the weekend i had a big video chat with a handful of friends just hanging out for uh for the evening we ended up playing cards against humanity for a bit it was an interesting way of approaching we all have a copy of the game so we had to kind of augment the rules to be able to do it on camera but it was still a lot of fun it was a good hangout yeah and that creativity i see um from groups of friends and the social side of of life i also see uh, businesses doing it where they're offering drop-in hours where clients and partners and vendors can all kind of get on a group chat and um, you know do their daily business that way as well um, institutions like museums and I know the zoo is doing creature features well they're get the they'll get the animal exhibits on webcam and they have um, the zoologist talking about habitats and care for the animals and and some of the rescue operations that are going on with different species around the world so it's so it's neat it's neat to see all these different uses of video conferencing and meeting together and even though we can't be side by each you know we can't be together in the same room um, we can still be together in the same chat room or in the same virtual space i guess you could say this has been an interesting stress test for every video messaging service on the planet because their capacities have just ramped up so fast in such a short amount of time. I know Teams has been doing fairly well, haven't had any issues in terms of quality or audio. In fact, they actually released a blog, um, a blog post a week ago saying that they've got a bunch of improvements just dedicated to video, some hardware improvements for those who have you know, business hardware needs. And then there's some software stuff like um, being able to uh, mute ambient sound, like they had a video of someone crinkling a bag on camera bag and they, of chips. oh yeah yeah the that. bag of chips they're <laughs> able to filter that out which i thought was really cool um they have some additional features for um just improved audio overall as well coming out so there's things to look forward to and it seems that they're keeping up with it pretty well ryan what's your favorite thing about working from home so far um you know what it is it's a it's a plus and a minus. I don't miss the drive. I don't miss the commute. Uh, but on the flip side, I, I miss the walk from the parking aid to the office. I miss the walk up the stairs. I miss the walk past everybody else in the office. Those kinds of things that the I, social interactions. You miss that parkade, eh? Well, it's it's for me. It's it's you know that's how I get some of my steps in for the day. So <laughs> uh, you know to kind of deal with that, I've been going for a walk every evening just setting some time aside and throwing a podcast in avoiding other people on the street you never know what six, they might be doing. six feet six or is feet, it yeah six feet but um you know trying to stay in routine even though i'm not in the office i still um you know still still take to heart that uh, we have the job to do and, and clients to to serve so how about uh, yourself what's what's your favorite part of of working from home like you, I don't miss the commute. Um, being able to wake up, get my coffee, kind of settle into a, whichever room I'm going to be working in for the day and just kind of start. I don't have to worry about when my bus is going to come. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear because I'm going to wear the same thing for six days. Um, I'm joking. Maybe. <laughs> I'll never tell. Um, but it, it does just simplify my mornings a lot, which I really appreciate. Um, it's a good point about just getting out every day for that fresh air and exercise um, is so important as long as you're not supposed to be self-isolating. So that's right. something I'm trying to work on doing every day. 
last night I got my exercise doing a lot of grocery shopping. Yeah, I and saw it, your haul there. You you sent me a, a picture in Teams with, with your load of fruit and veg, and uh, good to see. Yeah, we got a ton of just normal groceries, um, but in the not because we don't have the capacity to hoard anything here. Um, we just bought everything that we needed for the next week or two, and we had to hand wash everything coming yeah, out of no, the store. Good call. Good yeah. Call. I mean, so it was twice the amount of work to do, but I think it was the right choice in the long run. Yeah, I wish more people were just doing their regular weekly, biweekly grocery shop. It wouldn't be so hard for the rest of us that aren't hoarding, so to speak. Right. But we've had to make a couple of different stops. Again, not for anything really out of the ordinary. Um, you know, we have two young kids, so of course we need diapers and wipes and and formula and those types of things. We got to keep close by but the people hoarding those things are, are making it really hard for for everyone else it's just trying to act normal and trying to kind of not let it be a panic thing but um, it is what it is we'll it is it what through. it is okay so we've gotten a lot of questions about office 365 and just people trying to get it set up in teams we've pulled a few of those questions together just to answer here we're kind of now i would like to say into the second week of the work from home um, you know, the COVID-19 uh, part of it where organizations did choose to send people home. We're kind of into that week number two now. I would say week one or, or for the most part of week one was a lot of scramble and panic and sort of operationally getting things set up for employees and employers to work from home. Um, in the second week now, I think the dust is settled and people are starting to find new comfort zones and new challenges and, and new uh, use cases for some of the technology that uh, I don't want to say has been forced down onto them, but has been lit, in, has been lit up by uh, the circumstances of the day. So um, I've got four questions that I sort of collated that I've been getting, um, that I've received either more than once or from more than one client. Um, mm -hmm. Questions I've been seeing out on social media as well. So I wanted to put those together and just run through uh, a few of them and just sort of chat about some of the options that are available for folks out there. All right, let's hop into this. What is the best way to upload lots of data into my OneDrive? All right, so good question here. We're getting this from people that have uh, maybe traditional VPN setups where they connect back to a server or they're using remote desktop and they have some sort of virtualized desktop in their infrastructure. Uh, certainly, you know, larger, medium-sized organizations that might be a little bit more popular than a smaller business with a with a smaller team. Um, so the question we're getting is, you know, how can I take my gigabytes worth of data in my documents file or in my shared drive or in my HR drive or our operations drive? How can we get that into OneDrive or SharePoint or Teams? And so. Uh, a few tips, um, not to get too into the technical weeds of this question. Um, my top tip, though, is to do your uploading in batches. Mm -hmm. um, pick a file folder or two at a time. Uh, sort in, in Windows File Explorer. You can sort by the last date a file or folder was modified. So you're going to want to upload your higher priority more commonly used folders and files first before you upload something that you haven't really touched in a few years. 
um, upload in batches uh, based on network activity. So if you're a night owl and you want to hop online at uh, you know a, an hour of the day when there's a lot less internet traffic or a lot less uh, network traffic in your office building uh, or in your neighborhood, for example, you'll get a little bit more bang for your buck as far as speed goes, uh, ingesting those files into into OneDrive or SharePoint. Right, and in terms of uploading them in batches, like prioritize what you need first. Pick your most active files and get those uploaded first and foremost. If you're going to be using a few folders or documents for the week, get those up, try it out, and then move on to the other stuff as you need it. Right. It's a good exercise. Uh, I know a few clients that I've talked to already have gone through and kind of deduplicated their data where they had stuff stored in a couple of different places or they did that kind of manual archive. They decided, okay, things that are three or four years old, we're not going to we're going to we're not going to move those to the cloud. Um, you don't need to move things like program application installers into the mm -hmm. cloud. That could be, you know, uh, although it's small, that could take up some space in your OneDrive or your SharePoint uh, site as well. Our other tip related to uploading files into OneDrive, you have two ways of approaching the upload. You can use your browser. Well, there's three ways if you count Teams. You can use the OneDrive app from the browser. Mm -hmm. You can upload files directly into Teams through the Files app or through the Teams, through your channels, through the Files tab. But the option I'd recommend is using the um, OneDrive Sync app that comes pre-installed on Windows 10. If you're on Mac OS, you'd have to install it yourself. We'll have some links in the description of this post for you, so that way you can get started. But Using that desktop app will manage large batches of files a lot easier than the browser. Because if you use the browser, if you use the browser, it's going to require you to keep that tab open. A little bit more babysitting when you go the, the browser option. Yeah, it's good for a few files here and there, a couple folders. But if you're doing a large batch of files, perhaps gigabytes in size, then you'll want to get that desktop app set up. It takes five minutes. You just need your Office 365 credentials, and then you're off and running, and it's a one-time setup. Um, the other advantage is Files on Demand, which allows you to move those files offline if you need, if your Wi-Fi is not that strong. So that's another benefit of it. And of course, the advice or really the guidance that supersedes all of these do-it-yourself options is, of course, if you can, if your team has the time, uh, work with your Microsoft partner or work with Clear Concepts Technical Services to uh, review the best case uh, practices, the best practices for your particular type of data. Yes. Again, if, if you're in a pinch and you need to get some files into the cloud for yourself from work for, for a work from home scenario, or you need to get files into SharePoint or Teams to, to, to keep the rest of your team working, so to speak, um, you know, go ahead, we'll, we'll give you some, some guidance and some links in the show notes. But if it's a major amount of data, if you're moving network-attached storage or server-attached storage, uh, certainly you're going to want to work with your IT team. Uh, and if that happens to be clear concepts, we're happy to help there as well. Awesome. All right, let's move on to the next question. What are my options for having meetings online? Can someone dial in? All right. So this is a good one. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions and spending a lot of time talking about the meeting capabilities of Teams. Certainly, it's what we're using right now to uh, record this episode of the MoO Show. 
So, hey, this is a good demonstration of what a, an online meeting could be. Uh, now, online meetings in Teams can be very, very informal. They can be a, a text-based chat that turns into a voice or video call. It can be a pre-scheduled meeting, like we're very, very used to scheduling with Skype for Business or scheduling a meeting or an appointment in Outlook. Uh, or you can just meet someone um, in a team. If you have an organized group of people that need to meet for something, keep all of your notes and documents in one central place. That's all empowered here inside the Teams experience. Um, so you got your basic video chat for private chats, which the functionality is a little different from your Teams meeting because I don't think you can. I don't think you can record or have meeting notes. So there are some functional differences between the chat and the video chat and then a Teams meeting. Um, but other than that, they're really the same experience. You can have up to four people on the screen at one time, but the meeting supports up to 250 people. If you need to dial in, that's where you'll need to have an add-on license, which will give you a one. It's not a 1-800 number. No. Uh, so the base audio conferencing license will give you a local number. Um, okay. By default in Canada, it picks up a Toronto number, but you can uh, find a local number for your area code. Uh, that's not too hard to do. If you do want a toll-free number, that's a little bit more of a song and dance. does require communication credits and phone system. It's just a few more pieces that you need to add on. Again, if you do want to add a toll-free number for your audio conference bridge, just reach out, reach out to your Microsoft partner or Clear Concepts. Uh, it's a couple of extra hoops to jump through. Yeah, um, but it's definitely possible, built in, ready to get, well, it's definitely possible to have people just call in from their phone if they don't have access to their computer, cell phone, or just internet in general. Yeah. They have that landline as an option. Yeah, obviously they're not going to see slides if you're presenting. They're not going to mm -hmm. see uh, your screen if you're sharing, but at least someone, maybe they're on the go in their car and they can tune in through their Bluetooth uh, with their cell phone. At least they can participate in the meeting even though they're, uh, they're not joined using Teams. Uh, on a PC, your team's on their smartphone as well. Exactly. All right, let's hit the next question. Keep this right, train number, moving. Number three, why can't I add external guests in Microsoft Teams? Well, there could be two issues here. First is at the globe, at their tenant level, your global admin needs to enable guest access. Otherwise, there's no guests coming into your tenant anywhere. So if you are not if you don't have access to your admin panel you're not a global admin talk to talk to that person or talk to your microsoft partner or clear concepts and we can help sort that part out it's a few clicks but it's generally easy to actually enable guest access in your tenants i was going to say good on microsoft for taking the security high road on this one and turning this uh, turning guest access off by default mm -hmm. um you know uh, it's it's good for organizations to know who's coming in and who is seeing what. So uh, ha my hat's off to Microsoft for making this an extra step. Guests in your tenant aren't the same uh, aren't the same as normal users with licenses. So treated differently. Are they charged, Ryan? Uh, no, the the licensing for your organization does include, um, I guess, the licensing rights for guests. Right, that's what I thought. I have a couple of guests guest accounts in my own tenant and I've never been charged. And if Microsoft starts charging me, I will probably cry buckets because that's going to get expensive really fast. Exactly. Um, 
but yeah, having a guest in your tenant is like giving someone a visitor badge to your building. You don't get access to everything, and it's a way of knowing who works, who belongs in your tenant, and who doesn't really belong in your tenant, and gives you easy, gives your administrator easy ability to remove them when their access is no longer needed. Right. When it comes to Microsoft Teams, your team owner needs to, they need to be the one to invite guests to your team. Right. Not anyone randomly from a team can add guests. So an extra level of control there where either a team supervisor, a departmental head, you know, a director, an IT person, uh, president, CEO, however you want to spin it. Um, there are ways to to limit who can bring guests into Microsoft Teams to uh, do things like chat, to do things like view files uh, and tend to participate in any other collaboration you have on your your team and channels that way. All right. All right. Question four: How do I prevent team sprawl? Team this sprawl. is a big one. All right. So just to give some background on what the term team sprawl means, if you're familiar with the Teams app and you you sort of launch the Teams tab, and then down the left hand side you see a hundred different teams that all of your colleagues have created. Um, you know that's okay we're still we still have lots of users that are new to using teams they're new to creating teams um, you know there is no rules about creating teams or when is the right or wrong time to create teams um, Alex I'll, I'll leave it to you to give some tips on when you should use teams versus chat versus email uh, but for the most part when we talk about team sprawl we talk about having so many teams down the left hand side of your app that it's a little bit cumbersome to kind of keep in touch with all of the different teams uh, which you might be a member. Right. Um, ultimately, Teams isn't designed to, it's not designed for you to have 10, 20, 30 teams at once. It's not really a sustainable way, not only from a functional point, but from a UX point perspective as well. As an end user, I don't want to see 30 plus teams that I need to keep track of because chances are there's going to be a lot of redundancy in them. Yeah, that's so just overwhelming. It really is. So you have a few different ways of approaching this. The most extreme way would be to prevent people from creating teams in your tenants, and that would require a lot of steps from your super admin, including some PowerShell scripts, which would have some cascading consequences because you'd basically prevent people from creating other things like Office 365 groups, team SharePoint sites, planner boards, and more. Yeah. So that's an extreme perspective. If you have a giant, if you don't have an IT team in your in your office, then I wouldn't recommend that approach because your IT team is going to be responsible for managing all of that if your end users can't do it. Mm -hmm. So Microsoft has taken the opposite extreme approach and said anyone in your tenant can create a team. Anyone in your tenant can create an Office 365 group. It gives you the opportunity to create some governance guidelines to say, hey, look, why don't we create some rules that say, if you need to create a team, these are the conditions. These are the reasons to create a team. If you're, let's say, you need to, you're, let's say you're creating a new project, create a new team. If you're the lead for a new department, create a new team. If you're the lead for a uh, social committee, create a team. Right. If you're just doing little things between groups between departments or a few colleagues, lean on the team chat instead, because the group chat is just as, has almost as many features as mm -hmm. the teams, but you don't get the SharePoint site. You can still make video calls. You can still 
you can still share files, um, but it won't clog up your teams and it won't add all these extra resources and groups into your tenants. So it'll become a lot easier to manage for your administrator in the long run as well. But having those policies in place is really the first step to to reducing that team sprawl is giving people those guidelines to say, when do I create a team? When do I create a group chat? When do I use these tools? What's the appropriate best case scenario? Yeah. And and there is no one size fits all uh, approach to this. It'll be what is right for your team size, um, your business type. Um, you may be a more project focused organization where projects come and go. Again, that's okay if you want to center a team around the project, use channels to give some context to the different sort of operational areas that might be related to a project. And don't forget that teams aren't permanent or they don't have to be permanent. So if it is a project-based team, if it's a one-off team, if it's a COVID-19 response team, uh, when, when things clear up, when projects get done and things get accomplished and you move forward, you can delete those teams. You can put them in an archive state where if you do need to go back to them, you can. You can hide them from your list of teams as well down the left-hand side of the user interface. Again, it doesn't clog your consciousness. It doesn't uh, overwhelm you with how many things are flashing for your attention, uh, so to speak. I think that's it for questions. All right, yeah. If you have more questions, uh, certainly we can do another Q&A type episode of the MOO show again in the future. Um, we'll include our social media links if you want to get at us. Uh, please drop us some questions, drop us a line, let us know how you think we're doing with the show, and we'd be happy to feature your question uh, completely anonymized if you don't want to, to show your company information or your name, anything like that. Uh, we will just show your question and we will do our best to uh, give a worthwhile answer. Again, we're all in it together. This is new and shuttered territory for a lot of organizations, small businesses, large corporations, families, individuals. So be patient with each other. Be patient with your colleagues and families and take it one day at a time. Yeah. And again, we're physically isolated. We're we're not um, seeing each other in the lunchroom every day. We don't get to walk from our parkade to the office every day. Those types of things, you know, don't forget to stand up from your desk, get some water, uh, go see your kids, check in what they're doing, go for a walk if you can, use your lunchtime mm -hmm. to, to take a stretch. Uh, you know, if you are feeling, um, if you are feeling like the walls are closing around you, talk to a friend, talk to family. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of um, family members that may be in uh, retirement homes or medical facilities where they're not allowed guests. So uh, a good old fashioned phone call might uh, might do the trick. One other thing as well, uh, just on the mental health vein, again, if, if you are feeling a lot of pressure and stress and it's that time of the month where bills are coming in, those types of things, um, if you do have a benefits program through your employer, check and see uh, your HR department will be able to tell you if you have an employee assistance program that usually includes websites where you can go for resources about dealing with stress and anxiety, those types of things. And for the most part, those programs include uh, a toll-free service where you can call in and talk to a counselor, get something off your chest, you know, vent about something, um, reach out to someone on LinkedIn and drop them a line if you haven't sold them something or talked to them in a while. Uh, join a Facebook group, find something locally, an interest group online that you can join and just be around people. Again, if you can't be around people virtually, 
be around people or if you can't be around people physically, next best thing is, is to find some good people to be around virtually. In, agreed. On that note, please go wash your hands and we'll call this episode a, a, a wrap. I was going to call it a wash, but that would be a different term entirely. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining, Ryan. Bye, everybody. Take care.